Amen. Well, good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It's a joy to be with you today. When I was a uh, when I was a student, I was a part of a community service project, and there were a few homes of people that lived close to our school that were identified as someone that just needed some help with their yard work. So my help, my, uh, myself, and a few other students went one morning just a couple blocks down, uh, um, uh, just a couple blocks down, uh, down from the school, and we were hoping just to try to help this person out by cleaning up their yard. And when we got there, there seemed to be no signs of life at that house. Uh, the weeds had grown up so tall that no one could even walk through the yard. Uh, there was a walkway that went from the street to the front door, but it was so piled full of trash and, and uh, dirt and it was broken that you could hardly walk on it. Well, uh, my friends and I managed to make it to the front door and we knocked on the door. And there was a man in his mid-20s uh, that, that, that came to the door. And he seemed to have just gotten out of bed and he was not very excited to see us. But he invited us in and when we went inside, the smell in that house was awful. I, I still remember it today. Uh, there were dirty clothes everywhere. There was trash everywhere. Uh, it was hard to believe that someone could actually live in a place like that. Well, we helped clean up the yard and then we left. But I started going back to that house every few weeks just to form a friendship uh, 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 with that man. And I found out over the course of several months that he had a lot of desires in his life for things that, for things that he could do. But as I would give him suggestions about how he could actually accomplish those things, this guy always had an excuse. Uh, I would invite him to church, but he said, well, it's too early in the morning, though church started at 11 a.m. Uh, I would encourage him to, to go to some free job training programs that were at a local community center. But he said it was just too far away. It was hard for him to get there. Uh, this man was amazingly skilled at avoiding work. Uh, he was scared of trying anything new. And somehow he had become trapped in a situation that he thought was impossible to get out of. Uh, this person was what the book of Proverbs calls a sluggard. Uh, a sluggard is a lazy person. It's someone who despises work. And it's someone who always finds ways to put off working. And Proverbs gives us very strong warnings against the ways of the sluggard. And so we should listen to the warnings of Proverbs. The main point of the sermon is this. Wake up to the ways of the sluggard in your life and work hard in light of, of, of God's work for you. Wake up to the ways of the sluggard in your life and work hard in light of God's work for you. Uh, the word sluggard is used 14 times in the Bible. And all 14 of those times, it's used in the book of Proverbs. Uh, the, the sluggard is someone that stands in the company of the wicked and the foolish. Uh, the sluggard does not fear God, and he is on the road to destruction. 
And the way that the the the, uh, the way the book of Proverbs speaks about the sluggard is in the form of warning. It describes the foolishness of his way of life, and and it also describes the terrible results of his actions. Now we will not be able to cover all fourteen instances in the book of Proverbs that the word sluggard is used uh, 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 here in one sermon. So I'm going to focus on two of the longer poems in the book of Proverbs about the sluggard. One is found in chapter 6, and another is found in chapter, 20, in, uh, in chapter 26. So in point 1, we'll see the characteristics of the sluggard's life from these two poems, from chapter 6 and chapter 26. And then in point 2, we will see a biblical view of work in contrast with the sluggard's view of work. And then in point three, we will see how God himself is a working God. And then in point four, we'll see how believers are freed to work hard in the Lord. Uh, Brothers and sisters, uh, there is a sluggard in all of us that needs to be killed. So it's my hope that as you listen, that you will be inspecting your own life to be on the lookout for sluggish ways. So point one, beware of the sluggard. Beware of the sluggard. Uh, Let's look at that first poem from Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11, that Sister Lama read earlier for us. Uh, Look down at verse 6. It says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Notice in verse 6, the writer pleads with the sluggard to consider its ways and be wise. If the writer is calling the sluggard to, uh, uh, to be wise, then that means that the sluggard is not without hope of turning from the error of his ways. God is able to turn the heart of, of any that would come to him. We often look at sluggards and we think that they are beyond hope. Uh, Just like my friend that we cleaned up his yard and I formed a friendship with. It seemed like he was beyond hope. But that is not the case for our Heavenly Father. Each person is capable to be turned by God. So I call you to listen to these warnings and be wise. Now specifically verse 6 talks about an ant. It calls the sluggard to look at the example of an ant and to learn from it. So let's look in verse 7 and 8 to see what the sluggard should learn about the ant. Verse 7 and 8. It has no commander, no overseer, or, uh, uh, or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Uh, I've spent quite a bit of time over the past two years or so watching ants work, run around and work. Uh, they are amazing workers. Now, the reason I've done this is because my son, Peter, who's four years old, uh, loves to watch ants. He also likes to, to stop them and kill them, but overall, he thinks they're pretty cool. Now, uh, when we look at this ant, though, what is the Proverbs trying, or what point is Proverbs trying to make to the sluggard? There's two main points. Number one, it's that the sluggard does not take initiative. The sluggard does not take initiative. 
Verse 7 says an ant does not have a boss telling it what to do or telling it when to work. But despite that, the little worker ants go find work to do. Uh, Contrary to this, though, the sluggard sits around just waiting to be told what to do. He does not take it upon himself to find ways that he can work or to look for ways to serve others. He does not even notice the work to be done that surrounds him. Like my friend that was surrounded by work in his house and in his yard, yet he was doing nothing about it. The sluggard has no desire. The sluggard has no motivation in himself to work. And that's why he never takes initiative. The second point that Proverbs is making with the example of the ant is that the slugger does not prepare for the future. The sluggard does not prepare for the future. Verse 8 says, The ant stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The ant gathers more food than necessary for the immediate needs, and he stores it up. So that later, when there's not much food, well, the ant has food available. But the slugger does no more work than necessary for the immediate time. He does not think about the future, nor does he prepare for it. Therefore, when a time of need comes, he is left without anything. He is not prepared for that time. So a slugger does not take initiative, and a slugger does not prepare for the future. Now let's look at verses 9 to 11. It says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. There's two main characteristics of a slugger that I want to point out from verses 10 and 11, or from verses 9 to 11. The first is that the sluggard thinks a little laziness harms nothing. The sluggard thinks a little laziness harms nothing. So look there in verse 9. When the writer cries out, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? There is an urgency in his call to, to, to wake up, to get up, because that sluggard has been lying down for an awful long time. He is wasting his life away as he always thinks that there will be some time later for him to work. It's only, um, uh, sorry, notice here in verse 10 though, that that sluggard, that it says just a little sleep, a little slumber. Now why just a little? It's because the lazy person starts out thinking that just putting aside work for a short time is not going to be a big deal. But a little laziness leads to a lot of laziness. Uh, It's only just one more refresh of the Facebook timeline. It's only one more episode on that autoplay. Uh, It's only one more movie. But these small decisions of laziness lead to lifestyles of poverty. And that leads us now to our second characteristic from these verses. 
A sluggard's choice leads to poverty. A sluggard's choices lead to poverty. Look at verse 11. Poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Poverty here does not just refer to a lack of money, but also to a lack of basic needs for a wholesome life. It's a poverty of friendship. It's a poverty of food, a poverty of finances, or a poverty of purpose. And notice verse 11 says that, that, that this poverty, or basically having nothing of value or meaning, uh, does not come slowly, but it attacks quickly, like a thief in the night. One day the sluggard thinks that they have all they need, and then before they realize it, they are addicted to useless things that have no value, and their life is gone. So from chapter 6, we've seen that a slugger does not take initiative. They do not prepare for the future. They, they, they think a little laziness harms nothing, and their choices lead to poverty. Let's look now at the second poem about the sluggard from chapter 26 in Proverbs. Is Proverbs 26, verses 13 to 16. You can find these verses printed there in your bulletin. Proverbs 26, verses 13 to 16. A sluggard says, There's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming on the streets. As the door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. A sluggard is wise in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Well, this poem warns us of four characteristics of the sluggard. Four characteristics of the sluggard. The first one is that this sluggard gives irrational excuses. The sluggard gives irrational excuses. Uh, Look at verse 13. A sluggard says, There's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming on the streets. There is actually no fierce lion roaming on the road. That is just a crazy excuse that the sluggard gives as to why he should not get out of bed and go to work. A sluggard always finds some reason why he shouldn't work. And the particular excuse in verse 13 about a hungry lion is also based on fear. Uh, If there was a hungry lion right outside that door, I think a lot of us would be afraid. And we would not want to get up and and, and, uh, 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 to leave. But the sluggard makes excuses and he has fears on things that have little to no basis in reality. The sluggard uh, does not begin any projects or work because they are gripped with fear. In 2009, there was a Brazilian man uh, that was named Claudio who moved here to Erbil with his family. Uh, he was a believer, and he had come here to start, um, uh, uh, to start football academies. And at that time, there was no English church in this city that, uh, that he and his family could worship with. 
The only gathering that he found was a, was a gathering of missionaries who met about once a month for prayer. But those missionaries did not want to form together as a church, and they didn't want to open that group up to others. Well, Claudio was a very personable guy, and he made friendships with people very easily. Uh, he knew several believers in the city that were not here as missionaries, but were just here for work, and, and, and they wanted a church that they could worship with. Uh, but there was none. And so Claudio started praying about starting an English-speaking church. And there were a lot of excuses that came into Claudio's mind. He thought, well, uh, where are we going to meet? Uh, who's going to lead that meeting? I've, I've got a full-time job with this, with, uh, with this football academy. Where are we going to find leadership? Who's going to help? Uh, what if there's a fierce lion in the road? He had a lot of excuses. But Claudio did not let those excuses stop him because he knew that establishing a church was one of the greatest tasks that he could give his life to. He knew that it would be something that would not just benefit him, but would benefit believers for years to come. So Claudio started small. He started with a worship meeting in his home that met once a month, but it was open to anyone that would like to come. Then they started meeting weekly, and quickly that gathering got too big for his home, and they had to start meeting publicly. And in Easter 2010 was the first public service of this church, or Beale Baptist Church. Uh, we should all be thankful for Claudio that he was no sluggard and that he did not listen to irrational excuses or fears for starting that work. So Mark number two now of a sluggard from Proverbs 26. Mark two, point two, I should say, uh, about a sluggard is that a sluggard may be busy but makes no progress. A sluggard may be busy but makes no progress. Look at verse 14. As a, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A, a door moves, but it goes nowhere. It just turns from side to side. And this is like the sluggard in his bed. He doesn't get out of bed. He just turns from side to side. It's showing that a sluggard may move. He may, uh, he may be doing things but he actually makes no progress in life. Like a door is anchored to the wall, so a sluggard is anchored to his comfort zone. From this, we should see that the opposite of being sluggish is not busyness. The opposite of being sluggish is not busyness. A lazy person may be busy with lots of things, but they are busy with things of no real value. Uh, they may mark things off on a to-do list, but nothing seems to have been accomplished in their life. Uh, you see, a sluggard does not know what is worthwhile work for him to do. They are busy with useless things. Now, now let's take a look at verse 15 to see the third point of a sluggard from Proverbs 26 is that the sluggard cannot finish simple task. The sluggard cannot finish simple task. Look at verse 15. 
A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. This is a funny but yet a sad image that is supposed to show the extreme inability of a sluggard to even finish the most basic of tasks. Now, notice that the reason for his inability is not a physical disability. It's not a lack of opportunity. But the issue is that he has no will. He has no motivation. Uh, He has no desire to accomplish any task. He may have the opportunity right there in front of him, but he is too lazy to take advantage of that opportunity. Sluggards often start working on a job, but they never finish because they have no commitment to finishing what they start. Now, point four of the sluggard from Proverbs 26 is that the sluggard doesn't think he's a sluggard. The sluggard does not think he is a sluggard. Look at verse 16. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. The sluggard thinks that he is smart for finding clever ways to avoid work, but actually he's foolish. He thinks he's wise, but he's not. And thinking back to the sermon on friendship from, uh, uh, from last week, a sluggards need to be corrected by friends. But because uh, lazy people think they're wise, they don't often receive that correction from friends. So from Proverbs 6 and verse 26, we've seen what eight characteristics now of a sluggard. It, uh, it was these. It's that a sluggard does not take initiative. They don't prepare for the future. They give irrational excuses. They think a little laziness harms nothing. Their choices lead to poverty. They make no progress despite being busy. They don't finish simple tasks. And the sluggard does not think he's a sluggard. Maybe you hear these characteristics and you have identified a hidden sluggard in your life. And Lord willing, you want to change. Or maybe you know someone who is a sluggard and you want to help them. But how do you help? Well, just telling a sluggard, or maybe just telling yourself, to stop giving excuses or get up and work, uh, this is often ineffective. Why? Well, because a sluggard needs a change of heart. They need a change of belief towards, uh, towards work, and they need a new belief about God. So that now leads us to our second point. Point two, a right view of work. A right view of work. How do you view your work? Maybe you are frustrated with your work as you see that, that, uh, that or uh, maybe you think that there's no real value in the work that you're doing, and you wonder if it is all meaningless to you. But many, uh, many people, including sluggards, uh, see their work simply as a necessary evil that they must get through throughout the week so that they can enjoy their time on the weekend. Or we often view our work as having no profit uh, uh, in and of itself, 
but we view work as only beneficial for the money that we get from our work so that we can use it how we want. But this is a wrong view of work. We were created to work for God's glory. When when God first created the world and everything was perfect, He gave the first humans the responsibility of working in this world. He told them that they should rule over it, that, that, uh, that they should cultivate the garden so that it would flourish and grow. This is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Genesis 1, 28. Genesis 1, 28 says, And God blessed them, uh, the them being Adam and Eve, the first humans that, were the, the first humans that God created. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue, and, uh, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds, uh, uh, birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice that it's part of the blessing of God to Adam and Eve was to give them responsibility, or should we say, to give them the joy of work. That they were to be uh, God's agents of care in the world. Uh, we can also see this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And Genesis 2, 15 also describes the time before sin entered the world. Genesis 2, 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. You see, work was not a result of the fall. But God designed man to work. Once sin came into the world, well, one of the results is that work became more hard and more frustrating. But, but that curse of thorns in the ground did not change the truth that work itself is a good blessing from God. Uh, it did not change the truth that that work was part of God's good design and purpose for humans. Now, God certainly does not need us. That He does not need our work. But God uses our work, uh, our, uh, 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 our work to extend His care to people in the world. Uh, for example... If it was not for the work of Bridge or Lynn or Marlin at the airport, you would not be able to fly home and see your friends. It would not work very well when you showed up to the airport and you would find no flight there. Uh, we need the work that they do is profitable for us to see our friends and family. Or you pray for healing, and God often uses the skill and the work of a doctor to accomplish that healing. Or a very simple prayer of daily bread. And God has used a farmer, he's used a truck driver, he's used a baker, and a lot of other people I've forgotten about in between to provide that daily bread for you. We pray for the word of God to spread throughout this land. And God uses people, he uses you, he uses his children to share the gospel. Work is not to be avoided. It is not a necessary evil, but it is part of the purpose. It is part of the joy, and it is part of the blessing from God. Therefore, our work is significant, 
not just because of the money that we get from the work, but it is significant uh, because it, it is significant in and of itself. For God uses our work to bring order. He uses our work to bring blessing and care to this world. But, but before we can rightly see ourselves as, um, as workers of God, we must first see God himself as the primary worker in our life. And that leads us now to point three. Point three, God works for us. God works for us. Uh, so though it is true that God often uses us, uh, as, as I've just shown, to give, to, to give his care throughout the world, this does not mean that God is a lazy God, just sitting up in heaven waiting for us to serve him. No, our God is a working God. God is the opposite of a sluggard. Uh, God, uh, in the very beginning, worked to create this world and, and, and everything in it. And then after creation, he did not just step back uh, from the world and let the laws of nature and physics just, just continue on apart from his care. No, God is actively sustaining life. God is holding all things together. God works to give you your very next breath in life. He works to provide food for you, even if that is through the, the, uh, uh, the skill of a baker. But God doesn't only work to sustain physical life, but he also works to give and to sustain spiritual life because we need him to live. Like the first humans, we all fail in our, um, uh, we, we fail in our job to obey God. We all reject God's rule and reign in our lives. And the result of that rejection of God in our lives is spiritual death and is separation from a holy God. It is our work of sin that will lead us to eternal suffering in hell. And no matter how hard we try, this is not something that we can work our way out of. But thanks be to God that God himself is a working God. God did the unthinkable. He himself entered into humanity by becoming a man, the man Christ Jesus. He was born about 2,000 years ago in a small town just outside of Jerusalem. And he worked to fulfill God's law. He never once fell into sin. And then Jesus worked to carry the cross up the hill of Calvary so that he could give his life as a sacrifice to clean sinners from the error of their ways. He worked to bring victory over death by rising from the grave after he died. He rose from the grave, and this guarantees everlasting life to all who will trust in him. And as Jesus reigns this very moment at the right hand of God the Father, he is working to save sinners through his spirit. He is working to sustain the spiritual life that he gives to his children so that not one soul of his children will be lost. Of friends, 
we need God to work. We need God to work in our lives if we are to have spiritual life and if we are to have peace with God. If you have realized uh, through the preaching of this sermon that you have been relying on your work to be saved from God's wrath, uh, if you have been relying on what you have done rather than what Christ has done for you, then I urge you to repent and to trust in Jesus for salvation. Because your work will fail you on the day of judgment. But take heart to trust in the work of Christ. Christ has died on your behalf and He has risen on your behalf and He stands ready to save. So I encourage you to talk to a member about this decision and don't delay to do this. So we've been warned about the characteristics of a sluggard in point one. We have seen a right view of work in point two. And we've seen how God is himself is a working God in point four. And now lastly, or sorry, in point three, lastly in point four, freed to work. Freed to work. Christians are freed from the prison of laziness and are freed to work for God. But how? Well, it's when we see that, as we've just seen, that God has worked for us and we see that God designed us to extend his care in the world by our work then we are freed to work as worship unto God rather than working in fear and frustration. When we see that God is the ultimate provider of everything and that He does not ultimately need us, then we are freed from the burden of working to produce results. And we are freed in order to live and to work for the goal of faithfulness and not results. And when we see that in Christ we are perfectly favored and accepted by God, then we are free to work in thanksgiving and praise to God rather than trying to work to earn His favor and love. And when we see that Christ has given us this high calling to work for Him to accomplish His care and purpose in the world, then we are free to work hard because we know that our work is not meaningless. So church family, in light of a right view of work, and in light of God's work for us, I call us to reject the ways of the sluggard. I encourage you this week to look back again at these characteristics of the sluggard that, um, uh, uh, that we've seen here today, and consider them in your life. Consider how you should kill the sluggard inside you with God's help. And lastly, here are three specific ways that I think our church would be specifically helped uh, by this sermon and applications from this. Number one, uh, if you want to help a fellow member reject the ways of the sluggard, then don't simply give commands from a distance, but rather come alongside them. Uh, help, uh, help him to work by doing work with him. Uh, whether it's the work of discipling someone or whether it's looking for a job, uh, come alongside members. Uh, yes, it will take more time, but it is worth it. And it is a joy to walk alongside our brothers and sisters 
in Christ in this manner. A second, I call you to take initiative. Uh, don't just wait for another member to reach out to you or to get to know you uh, or, or just to check in with someone. But yourself, take the initiative. Uh, pick up the phone. Uh, talk with someone after the service and find a time to, and, uh, find a time to meet up with them. Take initiative to talk to a new person or maybe, to see, or, or, or maybe seek to share the gospel with someone else rather than waiting for someone else to do it for you. And third, as you reflect on your life, don't let busyness hide the sluggard in your life. Just because you may be busy and you work long hours, that does not mean that you are not lazy. So the question to ask yourself is this. Are you lazy towards the things that are important to God in your life? Are you lazy towards things that are important to God in your life? Consider the responsibilities that God has given you, not only to provide physically, but also to provide spiritual care to others, and especially others that you have a unique and special relationship with. Church family, overall, I am pleased to see us working hard with the strength that the Lord provides. And so I want to encourage you to, to keep up the good work in this area. And I want to commend you for your hard work in the Lord. For our work is not meaningless, but our work declares the glory of God as, as, uh, 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 as we do what He has created us to do. Let's remember the main point finally. To wake up to the ways of the sluggard in your life and work hard in light of God's work for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, we thank You that You are not a lazy God. Our Father, we praise You that You have worked for Your glory, Lord, on behalf of us. Our Father, we praise You that Your work is perfect and always right. We praise You that You never slumber nor sleep. Our Father, we ask that we would be diligent to set aside time this week to reflect on the warnings that you've given us in the book of Proverbs. Our Father, help us to, uh, to rightly see ourselves before you. And Lord, help us to identify ways that we are lazy. Lord, we pray that we would take initiative to seek to care for others in the church and not being passive. Our Father, we pray that uh, we would be willing to come alongside others and to help and, and uh, Lord, to help others work hard for you. Thank you that you give us strength to do these things. It is to you we look, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.